Welcome to the Skin and Shed podcast brought to you by River Legend Outfitters and Native Sense. Well, we got a good one for y'all today, boys and girls. Me and Zach are interviewing Big Daddy Lawler up there in Camden, Alabama. Uh, he hosts the Getting Outdoors with BDL podcast, Facebook live shows. He's been in the radio business since well before me and Zach were on the earth. And, what did uh, you we, say, 1979? It's been a minute. So I'm telling you, it's a, it's a lot, a lot of knowledge we finna gain here today. So we've been looking forward to having him on. BDA, how you doing this evening, Cuff? Man, I'm doing good. Thank y'all for It's an honor to be on the Skin and Shed podcast. I remember when I was you guys' age and I was getting all started in this outdoor stuff. And uh, and it's just a lot of fun. And I know y'all are passionate about it as I am. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Oh, just 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 to start out with, how did you get into the radio field without? I mean, you're very. Every time I listen to you, you're very knowledgeable about whatever comes up. There's no air in the conversation. Anytime I've ever asked you a question about what's going on, uh, how, how did you get your start in, in doing all of that? Well, actually, uh, it started back in 1979 when me and my brother Tommy. Uh, bought a bait shop on the Camden Bypass, now Lofton's bait shop. It was Big Daddy's bait shop, and we ran that bait shop. I ran that bait shop uh, from 1979 till I was in the bait shop, beer joint, bulldozer business for the first part of my life. And and I realized, i tell you what started me out promoting the outdoors was at, at my bait shop, I had I sold gas, and one Friday afternoon, it was a carload of people coming from Pensacola, Florida, on one side of the gas tank, filling up, going to Roland Cooper State Park, and it was another family of people gassing up, going to Pensacola, Florida, and I realized that our rural Black Belt area was just as attractive to the people on the beach as the beach was to our folks. And that's when I realized what an asset our outdoors were in our un, underserved area. And I started promoting the outdoors in 79. Now, the radio stuff didn't come, come along for a long time. Uh, it was a guy in Birmingham, Alabama named Archie Phillips that had a television show back in the 70s and 80s called Archie Phillips Outdoors. And he did a lot of his filming down in Wilcox County and in Camden in the Black Belt. And I got to know him pretty good. And it was another guy in Bruton, Alabama named Ken Tucker who did a TV show called Sportsman Showcase. And that's who... Uh, discovered Eddie Salter, and they did a lot of hunting in Wilcox County. And, of course, I had the bait shop, so I got to know those guys real good. And those were the only two outdoor TV shows at the time. And uh, they told me back in the uh, late 80s and early 90s that I needed to start a radio show in that area. It was a market for it because at that time, it was an Outdoor Life magazine. That's all it was then was Outdoor Life magazine and the Sports Field magazine. It's where you read about the outdoors. All you watched Archie Phillips' 
a TV show or Ken Tucker's TV show. That's the only way you could find out about the outdoors. So I went to a buddy of mine in Thomasville, Gary Goodrow, and we put together a one-hour radio format. And if you guys, you have to format a radio show. You have so much to talk about, and you got to do 60 seconds of commercials, da-da-da-da-da. So we formatted it, and we we put it together, and I, I lined up a year's worth of our shows and uh, went to sell it to the outdoor radio, to the radio stations. But I couldn't do it because at that time, Pat Dye had just retired from Auburn, and he started an outdoor radio show in Opelika, and nobody wanted to compete with Pat Dye in the outdoor market. So it was about 10 more years before I met up with a 100,000-watt radio station owner in Demopolis. Uh, we cut a deal, and I started my first radio show in March of 2007 called Chatting Outdoors, and uh, that lasted 113 shows, and uh, it didn't work out, and I got out of it and then got back in it on Thomasville radio station WJDB 95.5 and then moved on to Selma, and I was on four or five different radio stations out of the NERC network, and I retired from live radio after 500 consecutive uh, Saturday morning two-hour shows and started a podcast in 2019. Good Lord. That, that, that is uh, qualified is what I, what I call you at this point. 500 <laughs> well, Saturdays. That's the, Cliff, that's the Cliff Notes version, I'm telling you, buddy. It's a it was a, it was a lot, and I tell you the reason I did it, guys, and 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 it's not gotten that bad now, in my opinion. The reason I started my radio show was because we didn't have any communication whatsoever with the conservation department. If they changed a law, rule, or regulation, the only way we knew about it at that time was if you got that Alabama. Uh, hunting and fishing digest every year and you'd have to read about it yes sir so uh it was uh it, it was a necessity that i created a a, a a communication with the conservation department the alabama conservation uh governor's conservation advisory board and we uh we could we could find out what was going on before the digest came out but but yeah, yes, sir. And I remember uh, whenever me and you had mentioned a little bit of alligator hunting on on the podcast I was on with you here a couple of weeks ago. It ha- how is is that communication still there? Has has stuff changed since then? Well, now this is just my opinion. This is just my opinion, and I've been in it a long time. Uh, I am very disappointed with the communication between the public and the conservation department. Uh, we don't have any outdoor writers anymore. You know, we used to have uh, Mike Bolson at the Birmingham News and Jeff Duke with the Mobile Press. And those guys, you know, they had a little oversight at what went on with the Conservation Department because they was at the uh, Conservation Advisory Board meetings and they would write about it. And if it was any rules or regulations changes, they we could, we could, we could hear about it through those guys or my radio show or other outdoor casting blast radio show or Alan White radio show down in Mobile. But it, we don't have that. We don't have that uh, communication. No, anymore. For instance, see, 
the the huge changes they made in the gator season. And uh, Hunter, you 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 know about gator hunting. Uh, did you know about the changes before? They put the press release out the Friday afternoon before Memorial Day weekend. That, that was a total shock to me. I had absolutely no idea. I, I was that was going to be my next question because I mean that it, it didn't make any sense to me. Uh, I mean I get a, a gambling man is willing to pay if you put in for all five zones. It's twenty two. Uh, it, you know you got to pay with yeah. credit card. So that's one hundred and ten dollars a year taking a chance versus. 254 guaranteed tag, but I mean, it just, I don't know. I have a lot of mixed feelings about it, but I agree with you. There should have been a heads up, a, a, a I don't know. I don't know. I That's agree right. with you. I, the I the communication is not problem. there. I didn't have a problem with the changes. The problem that I have is the way that they communicated the changes with the public. You know, uh, the ones, the, 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 the stakeholders are the ones that should have known about that. Now, my question is, why did they change the rules, and who changed the rules? Yes. I called two members of the Alabama Conservation Advisory Board, and they didn't know anything about it. Now, that throws up a red flag for me. You know, something, some, it's got to be some kind of oversight to find out what happened there. And that's not the first time that's happened. That's happened a lot of times. Uh, I remember when they, they uh, outlawed the uh, spear, spear hunting. Nobody could ever tell me why. I, I called Montgomery. They sent me some kind of scripted, uh, you know, stuff and it, but it's just it's just uh we have a we have a communication gap in my opinion with the conservation department uh, yes sir i I do agree oh uh, what you got going on today i was over here getting this little live thing going on yeah, and listening to y'all talk about gator season <laughs> yeah, i ain't never I been fortunate enough to go i i've never been drawn so i i, I don't i don't really have a, a well, dog in that have, fight i, I gave up been, on them uh, when they started in 2011, you know, everybody was going ho, including me. And even though I didn't get a tag, I had some friends get a tag. And I can tell you, I spent probably four nights out there, and uh, that was enough for me. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> that's, that's too long a night, too many mosquitoes, too many mayflies in your face. It, yeah. that's, that's hard work hunting alligators, I, I can tell you that, the, I, the yeah. way we do it in Alabama. I dearly love it. I cannot lie about it. <laughs> I know you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say the, the first time I had ever heard of Big Daddy Lawlers, I, it was, this was my second year alligator hunting. Uh I remember we was sleeping on a houseboat right there on the cutoff, and uh, Malcolm and Brian and them had to tag. Malcolm, we woke up, dog, on five o'clock for some reason, cooking bacon. I, I don't know. We don't. We'd been up before, and now we up at five again. <laughs> that bacon woke uh, yeah, up. Yeah, hunting. Yeah, bacon woke up. Anyway, he said, "Hey, cuz, fifteen nine dead on Alabama and Camden." And I just, I mean, I'm, I'm like ninth grade, maybe tenth grade, something like that. <laughs> fifteen I mean, I'm, I'm, nine. He said fifteen nine. Dead. Yeah. How do you know? He said, "Cause Big Daddy Lawler just put it on Facebook." <laughs> yeah, two thousand. was two thousand fourteen. Yeah, so that's the first. Yep, because I graduated in seventeen, so I've been in tenth grade. But that's Ooh, the you fir- were youngin. Yep, that's the first time I associated Big D Big Daddy Lawler was with a fifteen foot nine alligator. Yeah. So that's always been a what? been a 
alligator staple to me or yeah. something like that. One thousand, one thousand and eleven pounds. That's the stud. Now you see them on swamp people all the time talking about this fifteen hundred pound giant, oh, dude, they, and then they, no they pull him up with one hand, and you're like, you gotta be kidding. They roll that rig over. Yeah, fifteen hundred pound alligator would have rolled that sunk that boat. You can tell you what they what they yeah, do to he, kill most of them alligators in Louisiana. Half of them are floating, right, like right there, sitting on the water on the bank. Oh, they yeah. shoot them for they even get to them. They oh, have yeah. to fight a couple just for a TV show. Oh, Enjoy yeah. them. They, they, mm-hmm. and they, I love how they produce the show and they add the drama to it and all. They, they'll have the camera on the water. That's how- yeah, they'll have, Hollywood that, <laughs> they'll have that camera under the water, and it'll be just mud. And then it's like, you know, and then it's like a little six-footer splashing on the side of the boat. And this this thousand-pound behemoth, you know, and you're like, hey, you're full of crap. <laughs> we catch that for fun, frog gigger, just to catch and throw yeah, back and play with Yeah, it. that's a picture for the gram. Yeah, that's about all it is. <laughs> oh. But, yeah, I, I thought that was pretty cool. So I've always associated Big Daddy Law with that. And since then, every time we have gator hunted, that's the first thing in the morning I pull up because Big Daddy Law was going to update. He's going to update a, all a, of those gators. As yeah. they come in. So yeah, yeah but, you cool. know, that's that. I can't do that anymore, though. They've stopped me from doing that. I tried to do it last year, and for some reason, and I can't find out why they're not releasing the information to me anymore like, like they used to. Uh, it, it, yeah, right. Wonder what that is. I don't know. I can't find out. And and so this year, what I'm going, I'm gonna have to depend on the, the tag holders to give me the information because uh, they won't. You know, they they'll let me know how many gators have been brought in and the size of the gators, but they're not releasing the the hunters and the tag holders anymore. I know, uh, I know the preference points. There, there's an issue with them too. My dad, I know he's been putting in for seven years now, and it, and when you apply, you can actually go check your preference points. He's got nine preference points for the southwest zone, and it's supposed to compound every year. Yeah, sure. I, mean, I had like sixty four, sixty four points when I was like, I'm done giving them my money. Well, you ain't got to anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I don't have to anymore. You, get, hey, you just put in, and if you get pulled, you now it's just two hundred fifty bucks. I've got a lot of people to put. But I up think the, the the preference points are still in play. They're still in play for the for the draw. Uh, y- yes, I, and I, I know they are. I'm just saying, I'm not sure everybody's is adding correctly because it's across the board. I've seen a lot of people that that, that just isn't right. The uh, the guy we actually guided <laughs> up there in Miller's Ferry last year. He had like 400 points for the Southwest Zone. I was like, oh, we, we got him this year. And then, uh, mm-hmm. he, you would uh, think. Yeah. With 400 but, points. Yeah. And then, but I'm telling you, Daddy, he just six points. I checked, or nine points. I said, well, bud. That's like trying to win some of those darn, uh, Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep tags. I know folks who's been putting in for tags on those bighorn sheep out there for 20 years and have never drawn a tag. That's that's the same statistics to me. Uh, drawing a gator tag in Alabama is about equivalent to drawing a ram tag in Colorado or Wyoming, wherever that Rocky Mountain that's, bighorn sheep is. I, I told all them boys at the frog tournament the other night, we was all weighing in and sitting there bullcrapping, waiting on the next set of boats and everything to come in. And we was talking about Keith McKenzie, and uh, you, you had gator killers there, cuz. Right. We was talking. So yeah. We all just gonna invest in a three D printer. If we don't get drawn, we gonna make one. We gonna make tags. <laughs> we'll, we'll sell our own. We'll be good. Oh, 
Yeah, I, I done decided if I wanted to just get a big gator, I'd just I'd rather just go pay somebody and 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 go down in Louisiana or go over to Florida and just pay for one. Right. I just don't care for one that much. It's about like bears. We we're talking the other night about bears. If we could get bear tags, I don't know if I'd even want well, to eat one. I I tell you the problem with the bear tags, and I used to have Daniel Powell from Leroy, Alabama. Y'all might know him. He was the he was the director of the Alabama Black Bear Alliance for years and years and years, and at one time was the. Uh, head of the Alabama Wildlife Federation, but he kept up with those black bears in Washington County and down there in y'all's neck of the woods. And he told me that it was a bear population. This was back in the, this was 10, 15 years ago. He told me that it was a bear population down there big enough to do a draw tag, drawing like to do the alligator hunt. The only problem was uh, the private land you know you couldn't if you drew a bear tag like an alligator tag you know you would have to hunt them on somebody's private land and that just they just couldn't work that out you know right right yes because the only really the only well, big you, chunk of public ground here is that delta and the bear, bears ain't in the delta you don't find them down there where that water can flood you won't floods, find them yep they're, they're out they now stay you, in those they stay in that first little little set of hills off where it's kind of sandy can be dry they can go down in that low ground if they want to, but they try to stay yeah, in that they upper. Yeah, like they like to go down in them low creek bottoms down. That, that's yeah. where they like to stay. Yep, they like that. They like that thermal. I think it's because it's so hot down here. It stays so cooler mm-hmm. down there with thermals in that that's wet ground. Exactly, that's exactly what Daniel told me. That they, that it's just like me or you wearing a fur coat all the time. Oh, they, right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I want, yeah. Uh, the people, they've been wearing bear skin jackets and stuff mm-hmm. uh you know across the mountains for hundreds of thousands of years really i guess you go back native american age they'd have buffalo hides and, and bear hides and everything at coyote pelts yeah that's like what you used to stay if, you, if you don't if you don't remember anything i tell you you cannot count free range wild animals i don't care what you do no you can't i i've been helping the uh Auburn biologist trap. Last year, we ended up trapping, I think it was 29 uh, bears on one 1,400-acre uh, piece of property in Sarahland. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was this time of year, because this is their breeding time of year. We were talking about, the like, is there a bear rut? And I was like, yeah, it's right. Right now, it's the bear rut. Uh, you see them everywhere, but I hadn't had much time to help this year. I think she's probably caught seven or eight already this year, tag, collared, and stuff like that. They've almost gotten, now I say this, they've done a very good job of getting ear tags in every bear that they have trapped for their research studies, pulling DNA and teeth and weighing them, mm-hmm. uh, trying to build that little metrics um, or catalog of, of DNA. Um, that way they can try to figure out, you know, which one is, are these big males that are staying in the area, are they the ones that are, throwing these offspring because you know like i was telling you the other day a bear can breed or a a sow bear can get bred three different times by three different males in like the same week Mm. and each if she throws three cubs each cub could have a different sire they won't all take at the same time Mm -hmm. they can but a lot of times they'll have she throws two they might both have different daddies in them deer's the same way yeah it's crazy yep 
and do and, the same way. And they like they'll get bread now, but their eggs, they they'll get bread now. I'm trying to remember how they worded it, so it's like if they're bred this time of year, they won't actually the eggs won't actually fertilize and start growing until like November. Cool. They'll like incubate, yeah, kind of like. And I think turtles do the same thing. Turtles can like hold. I think turtles can hold like fertilized eggs before they go into like growing for like four years. Hmm. Yeah, I learned that the other day. A little cool, useless tidbit. tidbit. <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just keep that with you. Mm-hmm. Don't put that in the pocket. No. Yeah, but well, yeah, that's pretty I, cool I think stuff. That, I, I think it was Mossy Oak or the Gamekeeper. Some they had a podcast the other day, and they had they had a. Uh, those, you might have worked with those gals, Tracy Wood and Dr. Todd Steery of Auburn University. Or, or I didn't. I worked, I worked with their, they, their they grad a, students. They, they got a. They had a great podcast they, they, they put out a couple of weeks ago about those bears, and it was very interesting okay. how they do that. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, just for people listening, I care, the main method of trapping on them bears, I know they have them like trailers with the big tube and everything. On. Yeah, it's just a boat trailer you with a cage honey, on it. You throw that honey bun in there, how y'all how y'all normally catch them? And they'd use a milk jug because it works on like a, a pull pin on a cable. So they just tie the cable to the milk jug and cut a small hole on the top of the milk jug and then duct tape the milk jug to the cable. So they snatch the jug to get it down. So they can get all the goodies out of it, and it snatches the pen. But it's just mm. normally it's like just corn, uh, fruity pebbles, maple syrup, maybe some Kool Aid sprinkled on top of it. Um, we put little Debbie's in there. Put them some little cr- oatmeal cream pies. Throw them Christmas tree cakes in there. Not, see, 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 <laughs> see if you don't catch Hunter Sullivan in the middle of the middle of that swamp <laughs> down there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we caught it. Everybody in the woods on a Christmas tree cake. There ain't no doubt. You know, we got a uh, we got a game cam picture of a bear not a quarter of a mile from the getting outdoor studio this this spring, and uh, I've never seen a live bear. I'd love to see one, but they just roaming through uh, this time of the year. Yes, and then I, I look at a lot of pictures. You know, I, I study in a lot of places hunting wise, especially from central Alabama to the south. And I know we literally everybody I have come in my store. Bears everywhere. Uh, you'll see them disappear mm-hmm. usually about dog season, mid to late November. You you lose, I would say sixty to seventy percent of your bears. It's bothering your feeders and stuff are gone. Do you are are there a lot of them like that up up around your way, Big Daddy? Or, or how often are people no, seeing them? No, there? no, they just they just roam through here every now and then. You know, you, you'll see one like the one that it came through here and then they saw it down in Monroe, and I know it's the same bear just roaming through. But let me tell you what Daniel Powell told me about those feeders: uh, a bird feeder and a deer feeder to a bear. Is a bear feeder. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah, yeah, every bit. <laughs> and all you got to do is take it down for a week or two, and they'll leave. They'll leave, you know. And 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 uh, you know, but long as it's there, they gonna they gonna they gonna tear it up and get that corn. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they will one hundred percent. I kind of want to want to shift a little bit. I know the I mean, we're the skinny sheds. I mean, we talk about majority of everything, but we're on we're on this network, the outdoor recreation network, with them guys from the Southern Outdoorsmen, uh, and, and they kind of want us to cover the the coastal deer and 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 your deer mid 
midway of Alabama, Mississippi down and everything like that. You uh you about near in the heart of, of the big buck hunting in, in Alabama up there where you are. Yeah. Well well I used to be, you know, back back in the old days when we was a lot of farming up here, you know, Marengo, Dallas and Wilcox County was the uh, you know, was known as the, the golden triangle of the of the white tailed deer hunting. But you know, since everything got planted in pine trees now, uh, and and they got the World Deer Expo coming up uh, this week. If you want to go up there, they'll they'll be measuring deer heads from all over the state of Alabama, and it's pretty impressive how many big deer are coming from North Alabama now. It really mm. is. Yeah, it's, it's kind of spread out. There's some monsters coming out of North Alabama. Mm-hmm. Up it around really that Bankhead and Gunnersville and. Yeah. It's it's crazy what's coming off the management area. Huntsville. There's some monsters in that darn Huntsville and Decatur area now. I mean, some monsters. Black warrior and everything running that river. Mm -hmm. There's some studs up there. I see a lot of big deer come across from Limestone County, too. I'm not real sure where Limestone's at, but I know it's somewhere along the way there now it's still it's still some big boys killed in marengo and wilcox dallas you know monroe county but it's you know it's some killed all over the state now this is not just the only area they kill but i'll tell both of y'all something and uh uh I, I deer hunting to me i i've never been a big deer hunter i i always enjoyed being around deer hunters but when when they passed the law uh to, you could hunt deer uh, within 100 yards and out of sight of a deer feeder. I kind of lost my interest in deer hunting. And then when they uh, when they legalized hunting deer over bait, that was it for me. I mean, it's just not, that's not hunting to me right. uh, the way I was raised up. You know, I was raised up dog hunting, you know, running dogs and, yep. and actually stalking deer. You know, I can remember before you planted food plots, when you had to get out in the, when the deer was running and, and it might take you two or three days, but you'd have to hunt a deer. You know, you'd have to uh, follow his, his scrapes and rubs and, and actually hunt, you know, and, and know what kind of trees, what kind of acres were falling, what kind of, uh, you know, you had to be a little bit of a woodsman to, right. to really kill a deer. That's, that's gone. That's history now. It's not it's not like that anymore. That's how Somebody's I was talking up. sense on the radio now, because that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> we were talking about that the other day about the old ways of, of hunting. And it's, it's, it's gone. I grew up, I grew up running gone. dogs yeah. with my family and all, and we run dogs from Millery to silas to mount carmel and every i think they still run dogs i hadn't been up there on the yeah, holidays it, it's for still, it, but. still it, it it ain't many but it's still it, it's actually two different organizations uh you got the uh, uh dog hunting alliance i think and you got the dog hunting association and and both of those guys are trying to do the same thing, but they can't get anything done for fighting amongst themselves. And right. I tell the, the, all of them that, you know, I, I know Susan Marsh, she's a personal friend of mine and probably the best advocate I ever knew uh, for dog hunters. But, you you know, you got, you, you know, when you divide it, you you can't you don't have any voice. She's got a voice now. When she walks in the conservation advisory board, they Man. know who she is. Yeah, they listen. And, uh, she lives about two miles as the crow flies from me. Well, you tell her I said hello because she's <laughs> one of my dearest friends, and and I, I you know she is she is 
she is one of the she totes the flag for the dog deer hunter now i guarantee you right yep when 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 susan gets up and starts talking Ain't nobody talking over her. Uh-uh. 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 <laughs> but we we talking about like the old way of the old way of hunting back in the day or before yeah. patching, yeah. before feed stuff like. Do you think like wh- why is it is it your people not passing a generation down? Like like the you know generational ways down or is it like timber companies moving in taking away dog rights? I mean what what do you think caused it to to get to this point? Well, timber companies had a lot to do with it. I think they could really help. And I, I tell people all the time, you know, all these TMOs, these timber management companies that that have out-of-town owners, you know, that own thousands and thousands of acres of land, you know, it should be some kind of some kind of way that they could they could hook up with the conservation department and and you know if they got. 20, 30,000 acres of land, a lot, a thousand acres of that land for public hunting. You know, I, that's what I've always said. I think, I think it happened, but uh, it ain't going to never happen. But the, mm. uh, the timber companies, the uh, uh, modern technology, you know, uh, uh, you know, every, uh, a double barrel shotgun, a pump shotgun, or even a single shot shotgun killed a many a deer back in my day, right. you know, uh, it, it it wasn't you know all these modern ammunition this modern stuff you know decoys and and you know I, and I'll say it again it, when when they legalized hunting deer over corn I mean that was it for me I mean and I, I'm just talking for myself right. but uh, I just I just don't see the sport in shooting a deer over corn I just you know I'm just I, I, I'm I'm in the minority, I know, but that's that's just me. Now, I don't think you're that big of a minority because there's a lot of us out there that are still that way. I mean, we talked the other more other the other evening, and uh, oh, you know about you know old traditions and stuff. How what we used to do, and I remember when I was little, every morning we didn't go sit in a stand. We would go walk, and we would look for yeah. we'd look for tracks. Yeah, we'd look for fresh grapes, rubs. If we could, if we just, you know, we'd walk fifty yards, stop and just listen for a few minutes. If you could That's hear right. deer That's walking hunting. through the, That's what hunting hear, is. yeah, if you could hear them walking, you know, even if you don't see them, if you hear them walking down the other side of the ridge across the big bottom through the treetops, you know that there's something walking that ridge that in the mornings, um, you mm-hmm. know, and you could maybe slip over there and figure out where he's coming and going from on another day because you already know you done heard one over there. You know, what direction is he coming from? Is he coming out of the big pine thicket over here, walking through the hardwoods, headed towards the creek, or is he headed from the creek back to the big, thick pines? You know, and we used to do that. We used to walk and just look for sign, and then we'd go back out and eat lunch, and we'd go back in the evening on our sign that we had found. I don't know how many deer I have killed in my life and I can tell you on 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 two fingers how many deer I have killed over corn. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, two, two of them were in Texas. That, that's called woodsmanship, you know. Yeah. You get out there and you and you enjoy the woods, and and a deer can't hide that whites of the ear. You can see that deer's ear. I don't care how he thinks he's hid, but he ain't hid. If you know woodsmanship, if you know how to do that kind of stuff, and 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 that's not taught anymore, you know. Now you you want to be 
you want make sure your heater's working in your shooting house, or you, right. you know, you got your dirt, your your thermosail going where the mosquitoes won't bite you. Well, hell, we used to didn't have have to worry about all that. You, you, it wasn't no camo, it wasn't nothing like that. You wore insulated underwear and, uh, uh, yeah, you know, a heavy button up shirt, whatever you could right. get from the mm-hmm. army store. I, I will say I agree with you on a lot of that, Big Daddy. But I got to have a thermosail if I'm doggone turkey hunting or bow hunting. I'm not. <laughs> well, I'm not immune. What? I'm not much of a man as your whole time. I, I'm, I ain't. I ain't that tough. Well, yeah. ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing. Ain't a thing wrong. I'm just saying we didn't have that back when I was coming up. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, I, I miss dog hunting and everything back whenever my my granddaddy used to always take me. Thanksgiving break was my favorite time. And you had a big Thanksgiving drive with your whole family and everything. Yeah. Always lined, you made two good drives lined oh, yeah. up for lunch, and then. But y'all was talking about slipping and everything. If I'm if I'm somewhere new, I slip the morning. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, if I sit, it'll be midday, and I slip the evening. I'm yeah. telling you, and a lot of times, me and you was talking about cameras and stuff. The the last episode, Zach and uh, Big Daddy, we ready to release all. I think we got like five episodes we can release now, so we finna start getting them poured out yeah, this coming week. Good. We uh. A lot of times you see them tracks and everything of them deer you don't have on camera. And this is where people, and that's the word we have not used yet, is the lack of woodsmanship. People are just staring at a camera, staring at a camera. Well, I got a yeah, bunch of does. Yeah. I ain't got nothing, but there's a good-footed deer running behind your shooting house. Right. You just see a track slip around. Yep. He knows that camera's there. He, yep. knows, he knows not to stick his head yeah. in that feed. Yep. So, I try to tell people, try to hunt between, between the truck and the stand. If you want to find where your deer are at, go hunt between the truck and wherever you planned on hunting, and you'll see, you'll figure out everything that's coming between there. Always. That's right. Yep. So, so yeah, you, it's just, it's just too easy. Now it's just too easy. Now I've got my buddy heater. <laughs> now, I got a couple of them, but I put them in there for my. I buy my granddaddy a new buddy heater every year, and I got that plan until I get a buddy heater in every shooting house, because he's mm-hmm. he's eighty seven now, and he still goes all on his own. He you ain't you ain't helping him. He'll load one up well, on the hey, four wheeler and all. I'm 72, and I got I got custom made steps on my boat trailer. I, everything I got on my boat is fat man, old man friendly. So you know, <laughs> ain't nothing wrong. Ain't nothing wrong with that. No, no, I try to keep him in the woods as much as we can. I don't. I quit turkey hunting mostly because he enjoys it so much. I don't ever turkey I kill is one that he's not gonna get, and uh, mm-hmm. that's just kind of how I look at it. We used to hunt that Scotch timber a lot. And when they took that out of the management land system, we just had right there around yeah. the house to hunt. And uh, my other granddaddy passed away in 07, and I just, I haven't killed a turkey since 2007. Yeah. yeah. This would have been sweet 16 if I had killed one this year. On the money. Yeah. But I didn't even go. So I, I know you out to deer hunting game most of Big Daddy. What, what? As far as hunting, well, I know you a fisherman, die die hard cropping man. I mean, do you fool with, with the turkeys or anything, or what's your main? No, I I'm not much. I, I never have been a turkey hunter. I just never could. I never could get in the woods before daylight, and uh, you know, I just it just didn't do nothing for me. Some people it did, and some it didn't. But I tell you what, I am. 
I love to shoot them doves now, and I'll tell you something. I've been doing for 10 years, and I ain't found a person yet that can write uh, or tell me how we can legalize hunting doves over bait. If you can hunt deer over bait, dead government, you ought to be able to hunt doves over bait. I agree 100%. What's that little loophole? You can throw that feed on the ground. But just disc over it. Man, it, it, it's just it's just like when it started with the hundred hundred yards out of sight. You know that's the same way they got it now. You can plant a strip of wheat and shoot over it, then plant another strip of wheat and shoot over it. That's just that's just crazy. They yeah. ought to just legalize legalize hunting doves over bait and enforce the limit. That's what they ought to do. And right. I'll tell you where I am out here in the Grampin Hills, you cannot attract doves without feeding them. That's the only way we can get them. You can plant all the wheat you want to, all the strips you want to, unless you put that wheat out on the ground, on top of the ground, the doves are not coming. I agree. That's what I planted. That's what eight strips today and they were there. Apparently, there's a brown top shortage. I had to get gold millet, which I see really no difference. I got to looking up on a little bit, a little color, a little colorage difference on there. But other than that, I planted uh, eight strips of gold millet today, and then I left two strips strictly to do my top sowing and, and throw that little bit of feed weed out and everything yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, if, if something does come over it, it's a doggone ticket. Let it ride. Yeah, yeah. I got worse yeah, coming up makes, on Judgment that, Day than than shooting a dove over a little feed. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the conservation department puts it off on the extension service, and the extension service puts it off on the federal rules and regulations, and it and it's just so simple. It's just such a simple fix, you know. Just legalize hunting old bait, you know, right. just like you did deer. Well, what's yeah. the big deal? You know, they say it's a federal uh, game bird. Well, heck, the I think that that. Went into play in two thousand nineteen eighteen. So you know, I, I just you know i i had the I had the chief science of the Ducks Unlimited on my uh, radio show. Well, I had him on the podcast, uh, Doctor Tom Mormon, and and I asked him about it, and he said it would literally take an act of Congress to change that, to change that. And I just don't believe, I think, I think if the right politician got behind it, you could get it changed. At least dove. Now, I'm not talking about ducks. I'm not talking about right. geese. I'm not talking about a show enough migratory bird. But we got our doves are local doves, most of the ones. We don't have, at the end of the season, we'll have some migratory birds. But most of our doves are resident doves. They're not migratory birds. Right. But yes, sir. Right. Yeah. Now, I guess you could get a ticket hunting over one of them catfish ponds with all them feeders on them ponds up there where you, up around like Uniontown and Fonsdale and uh, Safford. Now, if you're hunting on that, because that's big duck hunting up there on those catfish ponds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, if you could get a ticket. What if you get a ticket if that feeder goes off to feed them fish I every just, day? Just a right. It, it, it depends I, on who you get to now. Uh, I've had certain game warrants that that will just look and be nitpicking, and some of them actually do care about their job. Right. They're there to just make sure you're doing right by the animal, being safe. And you got some of them that just don't like the fact you're breathing. I mean, right. they're, they're, they're hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Most cases for me have been positive. 
Right. I've had a few. If I've had a bow and it's been on the river. But as far as in person, there really hadn't been anything bad yet. Knock on wood, we'll worry about <laughs> fixing the audio later. But Yeah. Most time you meet one, he's going to be in a pretty decent mood unless he has left a really bad scenario well 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 your, your guys that i tend to see are your wildlife biologists and your game wardens and conservation officers you know they can only be as good as their leadership right and leadership in montgomery has a lot to do with our game warden's attitude i'll tell you that yes, yeah sir. we got some well i won't hit on that <laughs> <laughs> leadership <laughs> in Montgomery. <laughs> I won't hit on that. We have a lot of issues down here on this coast with the way they manage a lot of our fisheries and stuff like that, but it all comes from the top. Well, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Then boat ramp closures. Why do they always want to try to fix a boat ramp in the middle of fishing season? Mount Vernon. Is why don't hard. they? Why don't they fix a boat ramp in the winter? I tell you, well, up there at Bridgeport, <laughs> up there where Big Daddy is. I'm telling you, cause that's the finest landing I have ever been to. We went up there for my my bachelor trip for we for I got married. We went up there and fixed cut just as fine as it could be. Mount, there's no reason Mount Vernon cannot have. It's more land than that right there. More more of an area. The way they've got that landing well, position. That- go, go ahead. That is why that is why I'm so excited about you young guys doing what you're doing because I tried it took me thirty years to make people realize up here the you know the economic impact that hunting and fishing had on our little underserved area. Thirty years. Yeah. You know, everybody everybody saw the hunters coming in here and they, they saw the fishermen coming in here, but they didn't realize how much money they were spending, what they were what they were contributing to the economy till in, in the last ten years, really. Yeah. And uh, it is it it is big time it, it totes our little county right here in Wilcox County hunting and fishing does. Yeah. And do y'all still have enough people up there using that ferry to even justify a ferry up there now? Well, I like to talk about the outdoors. I'm not gonna get in I'm not gonna get into that ferry. I can tell you. I, I, I will tell you this. Uh the money that they spent on Bridgeport City Landing was I think one point two million dollars and then they probably added another hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of stuff with with the uh uh weigh in trailer pad and fifty amp service they brought in there. They fixing to bring water in there. But let's just say they spent one point five million dollars on Bridgeport City Landing. That is the most cost effective government grant money ever spent in Wilcox County, in my opinion. Right. And then they just took the motors out of that ferry and made it all, it's only all electric ferry, I think. State of the art. State of the art. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, old Clip Hopkins runs it. Run, I guess he still runs it. Is no, it he, he left him. Cliff left him. I think he's down in Pensacola now. Okay. I used to tune a fish with him. Mm-hmm. Back I think he moved ago. back to Florida. I got you. I know he used to be up there running that thing before they went all electric with it. But yeah, they, and I wish they'd open that darn Corps of Engineer back up. Yeah, don't get me started on the Corps of Engineers. That we used to go up there and, and take the camper, and we'd stay up there for a week and bow hunt that place. That was some fine yeah. hunting. But they, the yeah. gates have been locked since they shut the government down that first round back 
what, 2000? Yeah, that 2008 that, that, uh, or 2009, they shut the federal government down and took all the funding for federal grounds and parks. And that was one that was on the list. It got cut. And they ain't never, they locked the gates and ain't never opened it back up. Well, that goes right back to what I was saying a while ago, leadership. Yeah. That's crazy. That was some fine hunting in there, too. Man, I have seen some monster bucks in that place. Well, I see one uh, back to woodsmanship like he was talking about. There ain't no feed in there. There ain't no Mm-mm. grass patches. Ain't nothing. You get in there. That's one of the places that's less pressure. Yeah. You got good bucks you can kill in that. Yeah. Well, I was telling you the other day, every buck killed this past season on our entire property, we've got 11 food plots, 360-something acres in one spot, 80 over here, and 140 at the house. But every deer we killed came out of the one food plot that did not have a feeder in it. It didn't have Mm. not one stitch of corn in it all year long. Not one kernel. Hit that food, hit that well, field that, in a year, and that was the only field that we killed every buck in this place. We killed four bucks out of that food plot this year. Couldn't find a buck in any other food plot, and they all had feeders. So that tells me, bing, 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 they ain't like they, they they done been spooked and educated on the feeders. And then my son was hunting with me one evening, and used to it was so low pressure up there, you could get down out of the house at dark. You could climb down, take your flashlight and shine across the field, and they'd just stand there and look at you. You could kill a deer and it'd be laying in the field, walk out, leave deer in the field, walk all the way up to get the four-wheeler, drive the four-wheeler back in, and hit the field with your headlights, and there's deer in the field watching you drive up to the deer laying in the field. No pressure. They didn't know what a four-wheeler was. They didn't know what lights were. Then the wise buddy was laying down right this there. Past, no, nothing like that. Yeah, this past season... My son was sitting with me, and it got late, and we had some deer come in late. And I was like, you want to see him? He couldn't see him. It done got in that, like, real dark gray light area. I said, well, I'll show him to you. I hit my light. The second the light bulb come on, they was in the woods running, tearing the woods down. Told me, Mm. ding, 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 someone's been shooting at them or shining them on feeders in fields with flashlights. Why else would they run out of all these years? Now they're educated on a flashlight. It don't make any sense. And it's only on one side of the property, and there's a hunting club on that side. If I go to the other side of the property where there's a feed trough that's been there for 30 years, I got a video on my phone of me and my wife pulling up with six sacks of feed on a four-wheeler in the dark, pulling up after we got done hunting. I drove all the way back to the truck, loaded the four-wheeler, come back through, drove through the field, pulled up at the feed trough, and there's a doe standing out there at the feed trough, and she's just looking at us. She walked straight to us. She's six yards from me and my wife sitting on the four-wheeler with the lights on and the engine running. And I'm just sitting there filming her and talking about talking to my wife about it. I'm like, look at that thing. Pets. Not, <laughs> don't, don't care not one bit that we're sitting there. That's one of them native <clears throat> scent But you get on the other side and you just click a light on, <laughs> feel that the, the woods are just torn to pieces where the, the deer have just, there, ain't, there won't be a briar left hanging on a tree where they've run through there, getting away. It's crazy. And it goes back to that feed. Everybody's just dumping feed, putting pressure on. It's, it's irritating to me. Not to me as someone that sells it. You feed deer as hard as you can feed them. 
Don't, don't listen to these two. You feed the deer. You come see me, River Legend. He got 11, he's got $11 bags of corn. He's uh-huh. the cheapest corn in the southeast. I'll load you up, I promise. You may, he might have a little Amish in him at $11 a bag of corn. <laughs> Dang gum. But, yeah, that, it, goes, it goes back to all of the, I think there's a lot of stuff that we're going to learn over the next five to ten years about the, this baiting that we have implemented in the state. Some of it's positive for sure. I mean, you see, I've seen but a lot, a lot of, of it. Is, a lot of it is, I think, it's going to change a lot of the ways that we hunt. I know people that's gotten in some huge. I, I've I, I helped start a group back years ago called Alabama Deer Hunters on Facebook. We got sixty four thousand people in there. You've, probably, I think, you're in there, uh, Big Daddy. I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, we started that back in like two thousand fourteen, I think. And uh, it's still like the same six of us that run the whole, run that whole page, and we've never monetized anything off of it. We don't charge people well, to advertise. Should. We we I should. Mean, you should face Facebook should be paid. Right. We have never done anything with it. We've always just hey, if you want to you want to post your business or a product once a week. That's it. If you do it more than twi- more than once a week, we're gonna kick it out. Mm-hmm. Don't matter what it is. But well, you see, see big deer coming. You got to have oversight. You got to have oversight on anything you do. You know, right. you just can't turn it loose and let it go. No, you got to have oversight. Right. We we approve every single every single post that goes on that group page. One of the six of us has to read that and put it out there. We have to hit the submit button mm-hmm. from day one. There you go. Think about how we we have an average of like forty eight thousand active members out of the sixty four, like daily. Mm-hmm. And deer hunting, when it comes in, it is, it gets oh, really yeah. wild and crazy. But I've seen some good deer come off of bait, and I've seen the I've yeah. seen the bait argument on putting the bait in the woods, not in your fields, and it does make a difference to bait on the ground in the woods versus bait in the field. The only the only positive well, the only positive to that that I see is you could get a little closer to bedding. And maybe catch that deer a little bit earlier if he's sticking his head. Well, in I that think pile. it has more to do with the screen, the natural cover. Right. He can hear you coming further. He can smell you further. If he's in that field, he already knows he's more or less in your domain. When he's out in those woods eating, he's at, you're in his. I, I agree, but at the same time, still, people don't realize deer don't lay on feed, and I no. don't know why mm-hmm. they they don't. It's it's mm-hmm. they won't understand. You got to get in the bushes. Walk, move, yep. move your camera. Get in the woods. Yep. Put your camera up high and angle it down. You got to find get it them. out of get it away from eye level with them deer. Yep, you've got to find the deer before you can try to hunt him. You can't just go sit and blindly wait. I mean, you could. I've killed a, a giant like at one time. It's happened one time, just, but he's on the wall behind man. us right there. Usually, it's within like the first week of season when pressure's low, and you're just trying to figure out where the deer are moving. You're like, boom! I got lucky. Yeah, that worked out. Yeah, it worked out great. But the rest of the year, you're cat and mouse, and they're on everybody's bait. They might be 400 acres over on this guy's bait today, and they might be over here on the other guy's 500 acres bait tomorrow. It might not hit your bait for a month. But and I'll I'll say this, if if you got a small piece of property, in the middle of all these people that's feeding, you ain't got to put none out. No, you let just everybody hunt. else feed for you. Yep. And you'll see them deer dog on two three o'clock in the evening. Yep. Traveling and everything. Them deer don't get up at four. I mean sometimes they do. Right. But 
deer get on their feet well, well before people realize it. Oh yeah, they're moving. They're them things will travel. I've watched them travel. I had the luxury of hunting a, a fairly large piece of property here in South Mobile County. I can't say a, what it is. Drop um, me a pen later. If, yeah, if I, can, I mean I can tell you <laughs> off air. I just can't say it here because of reasons. Um, but there was a big club down here. Uh, my dad actually, I want to say he started that club back like 37 years ago. And uh, we're no longer in it. He's retired now. Um, but we would watch those deer. They would come, you know, they would feed in these big fields. And it was 1,200-acre woodlot. And them deer would funnel from an hour before daylight till 9, 30, 10 in the morning. And they would cross that whole entire 1,200-acre woodlot to go lay in the far corner. Mm. If that sucker, I mean, you'd see them every morning, but they'd be dark nighttime coming back through because you're on the further end of the spectrum for them. Right. So in the mornings you get on the, on the closest end of the spectrum, you see them coming off a of feed, food source. But in the evenings, you better get closer to the bed to catch them before it gets too dark. Because it might be nine o'clock in the evening, nine o'clock at night before they even come through where you're hunting them in the, in the morning. So you can't hunt your deer in the same spot in the morning that you're hunting them in the evening. Sometimes you can and it'll work, but a lot of times you got to there. That spectrum's so so vast. You've got to get on this end or that end uh, the, the at more, different times. Uh, we can do a whole episode. Yeah. On that, but the more ground you cover, the better the better you are. I don't right. know about finding the right points and and stuff like that. But yeah. We, you still, I'm hung up on this whole boat ramp deal. Yeah. So, so we got talking about uh, Bridgeport City, Mount Vernon. So I think I think we finally got a grant. Was it two? Yeah. Mi- two I, two million, Big Daddy. Do you yeah, know how much think, it was? I think I think they finna finna do a lot of work. I don't remember how, exactly how much it was, but I think they fixing to they fixing to 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 do a lot of work there. Uh, if they'll just leave me a track crew there, I'll go over there weekly and dredge that rig. I'm telling you, it's set up for two boats. <laughs> You you can launch one boat at a time, period, because they've got it set up to where it's it's like a little bubble right there, and it's in a slight bend or just before a bend. Well, all this mud and sand and everything silting, right, is all silting in on that far. They should have put that ramp on the other side of the bank. Well, it should go straight into the river. Right. Well, right now the way mm-hmm. it sits, it's all upstream, so everything flowing down that river naturally. It's gets caught right in a there. big bowl right there You're, at the bottom of the You created a log jam right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the logs are literally jam that well, ramp I'm up. I'm telling you, yeah. the, the, the location for that, because, I mean, you have your pride of the South Tournament, all your big bass tournaments out of doggone Live Oak Landing down there. Most of them guys is running north. They running Jackson. They running Claiborne. You're trying to get up up the river to the yeah. better fish. And don't lose your brakes going down that rig. Oh no, it's steep. It's steep. <laughs> but you, you'll be you'll be fishing out your truck window. But the, the reason I bring that up, it, man, you talk about the central location for your bass tournament. Everybody would want to move mm-hmm. everything there right now, right? If, if it was a legitimate landing, it's hard to launch a dang fiberglass boat there. It, it's been bone low. I've seen them party barges and all try to load up. And it is hilarious. Yeah. Well, I feel bad for them, but man. It's damn straight mud. You need a mud motor to load up mm-hmm. right there. Even if they just come a little further south and put another ramp. Dead Lake is probably one of the worst boat ramps I've ever in my life. Well, launches, period. Because you have to go all the way back out of the lake and then hook out to the river and then drive all the way back down parallel to the lake just to get back to the Dolly Parton Bridge. You got like six miles of boat riding 
just to get back to where the truck's at. Well, I enjoyed a boat ride. That's part of a lot of my a lot of my magic happens on the boat ride. I mean, there ain't yeah, but when you're mixed feelings when on you're that. out there and it's cold, you're out there at three in the morning going duck hunting, and you got to run an extra three and a half miles or so just to get back to the truck where you could have just pulled off the river and went straight to you. They should put a, at least a cut through on it. Look, I'm not the one trying to kill a wood dove. <laughs> I, I ain't got no desire for that dog on wood duck because I'm telling yeah. you. I just I like eating the them. I like to eat them now. I like them backstraps. That's so. about the same. That's a little better to me. Big Daddy, is there a lot of is there a lot of duck hunting up there that way in, in Miller's Ferry and all, or is that kind of more of a lower delta thing? You know, you know, I do a podcast every year with my my friend David Gaston Gaston's Custom Calls, and he's probably he me and him are the same age, and he's probably been duck hunting and in the duck hunting industry as, as long as anybody has and uh, it, it is some ducks here and it is some good duck hunters here but fortunately duck hunting is is like deer hunting used to be you got to know how to hunt them you ain't gonna go out there and just sit down and and you right. know you got to pattern those ducks you know uh you get the water conditions up here uh you know uh, Garrett, I had a podcast with Garrett Gaston and his brother Grant and uh, Trey Stoudemire. they three of the best duck hunters up here. And they were telling me things like if the water's up, you know, those ducks are going to fly down the river, you know. Right. And, and you you got you to be a, a outdoorsman or a woodsman or uh, a ducksman, I guess you'd say, to know how to hunt them. It's not as easy to hunt them here as it is uh, out in Arkansas, but it is it's some ducks here, yeah. But it, you got to be a good duck hunter, uh, you know, to be successful on middle. Now, wood ducks, you can kill your limit of wood ducks about any time, but yeah. But yeah. you know the big the big ducks, the big ducks, and and uh, you got you got to know what you're doing. Right, wood duck hunts usually over in about twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's about twenty minutes, and you're done. And then every now and then you'll see a gray belly come through, and you're like. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Come on! Well, I, I ain't been, but about five times. I mean, we've had a good shoot every time. Is when I was in the middle of that Delta and one of them private right. clubs in there. But we shot the dog on wood. I'm like you. Twenty five minutes of shooting. We all we killed a pile of wood ducks. Yep. Time to I deer took, hunt. Yeah, I, I took the boys back. <laughs> literally, I took the boys back to land and come back and killed eight point like a hundred yards from where we just shot ducks at. Yep. I said, now this is okay here, but of course it wouldn't happen right. every morning like that. So. Right. Shoot. Yeah, it's a. It's a, it's a it's a local guy here, and he's got a YouTube channel called Black Belt Waterfowl. Y'all need to check it out. He's a yeah. He's a he 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 just hunts public public waters. All he hunts and uh, and he does a, he 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 makes some good videos. And he's hunting up there he's around a, he, the, the Miller's Ferry Camden area. Well, he hunts he hunts down there too. He hunts a little bit better everywhere, brother. Uh, gotcha. May need to get uh, him on here. Yeah. Yeah, you sure do. I, I send you his information. I'd He's like to uh, pick his brain a little bit. Yeah, he he is. Uh, he uh, you check out his his uh, his uh, Alan O'Brien is his name, and I'll send you his information on. And uh, yeah, y'all need to hook up with him because he is a duck. He is he is a he he he's just like them boys down there. What uh, them uh uh. Duck hunters down in Louisiana. What did they call them? The, uh, Willie Robinson oh, and all them. Oh, man. duck commander. He, yeah, yeah, duck commander. He is. A, he is our duck commander. Yeah, I guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> See, 
I, I almost went through Mons, uh, West Monroe one time. We was up in Faraday catfishing, and uh, up here catfishing on. We were up there running. First time in my life I ever ran yo-yos. You ever ran yo-yos? I haven't, but I know I have some buddies that run them, yeah. Yeah, I think they were still illegal in Alabama back when we did this. It was back like 2014, something like that. Oh, was that illegal? It, I think it used to be, but I think you can use them now. Oh, I was going to say, I'm going to have to quit. Yeah, I I'm have to quit. Legal. I think they're legal now in Alabama. But those we I went up too. there, that lake, it was like right there in the what, beginning of spring. It was in April, I remember that. And we had a cold, we had a thunderstorm come through, and it got down like 40 degrees, and all we had was shorts, Crocs, and like a, a hoodie. So we was out there running yo-yos and shorts and Crocs and a hoodie, freezing to death. But we caught like, I don't know, 200-plus catfish uh, across like a five-day span up there running yo-yos. Let me tell you something I've learned. That was the worst fish cleaning I have ever experienced. The more miserable <laughs> you are outside is usually your best memories. Oh, yeah. I, I, I oh, can guarantee you that. Mm-hmm. Yep. I actually left, I left my Croc flip-flops in that house where we were staying at because we went to Walmart and I bought me a pair of old cheap rubber boots because my feet were cold. <laughs> I remember that. But that was up, up in, uh, I think it was Lake, Lake Faraday and Lake Concordia is where we was up there catfishing, just wearing them out. All of them about a pound and a half, two-pound catfish. Perfect. Good pan size. Oh, perfect. But mm-hmm. Well, 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 we have done hit our hour mark. But I, t- I don't think <laughs> I don't think we will talk to somebody as knowledgeable no. about the all around no, spectrum of not. what's going on and, and Big Daddy Lawler. I can tell you that much. But Big Daddy, we look well, forward. I to don't it. know about that. I've been I just been around a long time. I've just been around. See, I've seen a lot. You know. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Experience is the best teacher. So I can say that. Yeah. Much. But well, uh, I. I, I I've been watching it a long time, I tell you. And, and uh, but, 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 what makes me tick is seeing young guys like you doing what y'all doing. And I really do appreciate y'all having me on today. And I appreciate, uh, I appreciate what y'all doing. I really do. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, we, we hope you'll come back on here with us again. We'll try and definitely get you back on. But if y'all want to listen to Big Daddy Lawler show, y'all can find him on Facebook. Getting outdoors with BDL. And you will not be disappointed. He does a live show every Wednesday. And, and, and it's Friday, too, ain't it, Big Daddy? Yeah, I do a live show at 5 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon, Town Country United Bank Hunting and Fishing Report. And then the Getting Outdoors live show on Friday mornings at 8 o'clock. And then I release my podcast on Thursday mornings around 10 o'clock. Just depends on how much editing I have to do. Right. Yeah. I'd like to get on with you one day and talk about deer pee. <laughs> Get that talk native, about what? Talk about some deer pee. Get that native scent so far in Camden, Alabama. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you ain't got it up here? No, I don't have anybody up that way. I, I was going to get it in heads there at one time, but Danielle don't work there yeah, no more. He, you need to be in Coast to Coast, Southern Hardware, and Dunn Sports. That's where you need to be up here. You'll cover be. every hunter in the area. I've, I've talked to them at Safford, but I can't get a response back from them. They're like, yeah, send me an email or I'll call you back. I don't ever hear nothing back. They from are me. some. They they busy there. I guarantee. You. Yeah, that's what it seems to be. I'm gonna probably have to just make a drive back up there one day. But yeah, yeah. I'd I, like to get on there and talk to you about some deer pee and tactics on deer pee because a lot of folks yeah, still think. Yeah, it's, I'd love. Yeah, let's let let's let's get a little closer to hunting season. Yeah. I'd love to do that. Yeah, we'll be at the World Deer Expo here in a couple of weeks with a big, okay. big booth set up and have some <laughs> stuff ready to go. 
I did my podcast this week with old Bubba Buck. Yeah, he is a character. I yeah. guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> that sucker uses it. They uses my dear P. He. I send him does a package. It, yeah, I send him a package every year. Yep. He is fun. He crazy. He crazy. Now he he's a, he's he's a fun interview. Yeah. Yeah. He's what you would call a classic hoot. <laughs> yeah. Ain't no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. And uh, well, thank you all for having me. And I hope I didn't get y'all in no trouble now. <laughs> no. The way we live, that's our middle. That's our middle name. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes the truth hurts people, and I, I've always tried to, to to express my feelings, and and everybody knows where I stand. That's it. Yeah, that's exactly how to be right there. I, I was raised: when you walk away from the table, don't make it don't make it any excuse for there to be confusion. Yep. <laughs> that's right. There you go. That's, that's a good saying. Right. I have to remember that. Yeah. When you walk away from the table, don't let there be any excuse for confusion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I reckon we'll call this one a full episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll call this a, a full <laughs> a full one here. We'll try to get you back on in a month, what you say. Yeah, y'all just holler at me anytime. I'm always available. Let's let's get together. Alec, you Hunter, if you draw a tag up here, we'll we we'll show enough do some podcasts and live stuff. That sounds good to me. Looking forward to it. I am too. 10-4-8. We'll catch all of y'all next week on The Skin and Shed.